This is dum da dum da dum dum dum. This is dum da dum da dum dum dum. This is dum da dum da dum dum dum. This is so dumb. Hey, you guys. Hey, welcome back to Why Haven't You Watched That? And we have a guest, a returning guest with us. Yeah, my first full length episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my best friend Bonner Demling, a comedian and writer, and yes, we... I, I, I experienced this show first by doing a mini episode, and that was exhausting enough. <laughs> so just imagine what I'm gonna do today. <laughs> I'm gonna run circles around myself. Um, yeah. Yes, thank you for that introduction. Yes, and uh, Bonner and I actually we saw this movie in theaters together when it came out. Actually. Yes. Um, the thing is that I was kind of hearing some mixed reviews. And I wasn't, like, really... The thing is that you called me and said, do you want to go see La La Land? And I said, no. <laughs> but I figured that the one thing that this movie probably has going for it is the visuals. So if I'm ever going to see it in my life, I better see it on the big screen. So I was forced to say yes. And I was proven right. Yeah. Um, so, yes, we saw this together. Yeah. And Lita, you just... You, uh, we ne you never got around to seeing this, obviously. No, so this is the, I think, second movie from the same Oscar season that we're covering on the podcast, because yes. this is the one that was supposedly the best Oscar winner, but just kidding, nope, it's Moonlight, the far superior movie. Yes, yeah, the definitely. winner of the uh, Oscar for Best Picture is not Jan Brady. <laughs> <laughs> um, th this is the second musical you're doing. Right? Yeah, the first one we did was West Side Story. And this is the first bad musical you're doing. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, so here's my thing. is like, can this even really be considered a musical? Because I feel like there's only, like, three songs. Um, well, well, I think, like, to, to qualify as a musical, I think there have to be, like, at least five so yeah so the thing that the thing with this movie is that like it's trying to be so many different things but like it's not committing to any of it like it doesn't care about being any of the things that it's trying to be like it, it was just like we're gonna make a movie and hollywood's gonna fucking love it it's um there are i mean like if you go back into like old old musical theater it was a lot more common for there to be musicals that had long gaps between numbers it seems so strange today because now it's more common to see an entirely sung show than to see one with so many gaps. That's mm. not my beef with this. It's not that there's not enough musical numbers, it's that there aren't enough good musical numbers. Yeah. yeah they but... just, they didn't commit. There's just, there's nothing to most of them. I, I flamed with rage after this movie came out. Um, after it lost Best Picture, I calmed down a little bit. Um, I, I will say that my... I cannot say that I like it, because I don't, but I will also say that my ardent feelings have lessened over the years, but I will also also say that I've both made and lost friends over my dislike of this movie. <laughs> so it's it's still, it's got enough potency for me to say that. Yeah. I, oh, I do, yeah. I do think, like, this movie, it's not, it's not bad. It's just, yeah, it is. I, I mean, in my opinion, it's not, like, bad per se, like, you did say, like, the visuals in this movie are, some of them are really great, like, the planetarium scene and that sort of thing. It's just, mm -hmm. like, you know, it just, it just bores me. Like, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not, it's There's nothing, what you were saying? Yeah, there's nothing really, like, I don't really care about, I mean, Emma Stone 
gives it her all in this movie, and she mm-hmm. gives the character a certain charm because it's Emma Stone. But like, I don't care about the characters in this movie. Yeah, I don't, there's. I don't, it, I don't care what happens to them, and the musical there, numbers aren't that great. And, there's like, nothing worse than self-congratulatory mediocrity. Yes, and yeah. that's what this movie is. Yes. So um, yeah. here, here's what I actually didn't mind the movie which is like not good like that's not like a compliment to it like i don't <laughs> hate it oh imagine if that was the best you had to say of anything uh, i yeah. don't hate it but i i just didn't feel that strongly about it either way there's things that i liked i liked the lighting i liked the costuming i like emma stone i sometimes like ryan gosling um i and think suits, that all the fucking suits he oh, wears yeah. in this movie they're very nice and i'm i have a hard time like just the whole financial financial situations of the characters don't make a lick of sense no. at all. It really um, um, it's yeah, yeah the motorcycle uh, rally. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um the windows open and I live right by like every single intersection in my town at once. Plus, there's construction going on during the day, and then people who live by the night. <laughs> Living near, yeah, you, know, you know that they they ride to die and they ride to live and they live to ride and that's what I I can never sleep. I never sleep. I never sleep. Oh, I have that's... to flee. I have to flee my own building. I have to flee. That's just what my neighbors sound like. Hey, <laughs> um... yeah, and still more verisimilitude than La La Land. Um. So, so may I may I begin by kind of pulling a Lindsay Ellis and stating what I do like about the movie first before I list everything I dislike? By all Go means. Okay. Well, as I said, it, it's the visuals. It uses color beautifully. The cinematography is great. I actually do think that it deserved that one Oscar. It won Best Cinematography. That's the only Oscar I think it deserved even the nomination for, and it won. I do think it deserved that. Secondly, this is kind of specific, but... I'm glad that for a musical, that it opens with a number that's just the ensemble members. Like, yeah. uh, not even a lot of theatrical musicals do that anymore, much less cinematic, but like, in the, you know, golden age of Hollywood, when they used to do like the MGM musicals, and like that era of Broadway also, it was common for the ensemble to open a show, and you barely ever see that anymore, and the number's vapid as hell. Yeah, but it's a number. You can't understand yeah. anything anyone is saying. Also, the sound mixing. <laughs> no, the sound for, is crap. The sound really mixing bad. was awful. Yeah, awful. it's really, really bad. Yeah, like, every uh, single musical number with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, which is like the rest of them, I guess. Like their voices are so like quiet and timid and shy sounding, and I know that like that's like kind of uh, sort of like their characters i guess but like also not really and it's stupid and i hate it well if, if they well considering their vocal quality it might actually be to this movie's advantage that you can't True. hear them imagine yeah. if emma watson had been in this movie i instead, i wanted like she to was supposed oh my to. god I was Th- yeah, that's the thing it's like hmm we've got one Emma who can't sing. She said, no, do we have any other Emmas who can't sing? Oh, <laughs> boss, I got someone for you. Uh, at least Emma Stone can act, though. Emma yes. Watson, I'm, I like her as a celebrity. She can't act. She, yes. Yeah, no. as Beauty and the Beast demonstrated. Or as every movie she's ever been in. She, she's really not that great of an actress. I no. like her as, like, as a, like, a famous figure, but she's not really that great of an actress. Yeah. But, like, but I digress. Um, thirdly, there's a third thing I like about this movie. I do like one song which I will go into more detail when we get to it. So, three things. It looks good. 
Good for them for giving the ensemble one number, even if the ensemble was not worthy of that number. <laughs> and one song I think isn't bad, but I'll tell you later. <laughs> yeah. I, I may not be remembering this correctly, but I believe it either way, is that apparently they, I think the director might have said that they cast non-actor singers on purpose to give an authenticity to the story like that's not how musicals work yeah <laughs> yeah it's like wh why don't you cast people who can't act too because they're playing struggling actors like yeah <laughs> i mean i might be completely misremembering that but the thing is that here's the thing there's a certain point where even if something isn't true, the fact that it's still plausible, even if it's not true, yeah. is its own problem unto yeah, itself. Yeah, I was about to say, it, the fact that it doesn't sound far-fetched in the first place kind of says a lot. Okay, um, so are, are we going to get into the, the plot? Well, well, I also want to talk about the director of this movie, too. And oh, how, yes, tell and me how, all the terrible things. Well, no, just, no, I, I, nothing against him personally, but he did Oh, come the, on. I don't- A, a drop? I don't know anything about him. Okay. I was just going to talk about Make how... something up. <laughs> just fling wild accusations. He eats babies. Um, but he did Whiplash, and which was a much superior film. Yeah, I haven't opinion. seen it, but um, I trust your opinion, and you said it, it was very good. It was very good. It was very it, Black Swanish, but like with it, boys and, and jazz drums. But anyway. It, um, it feels like, and I have not seen Whiplash, so I'm just kind of guessing at this, but it feels like, like this this guy was like, I'm gonna make something even more epically ambitious because I already made another movie about music, not realizing that just because you could do one thing doesn't mean that you can do another well, thing. Well, the whole reason he wanted uh, he he did Whiplash was so he could finance this project, which is what he actually wanted to do. That is the weirdest Hollywood story I think <laughs> that exists. I made a great movie to finance my piece of crap passion project. That is like. The, it's either the worst success story or the best failure story that I've ever heard, or both. Yeah, and Miles Teller was supposed to play Ryan Gosling's character. Who, who, oh my who, God. who is who is that? He played uh, the main character in Whiplash, the magical flat-faced boy. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so it's supposed um, to be Miles Teller and Emma Watson. Which what? <laughs> wow, that would have oh been weird. God. And and also and also Emma Watson doing a fake American accent on top of her acting and singing. Yeah. Oh, See, God, ooh, Jesus. But at least that could have gotten to us in, like, like so bad it's good territory. This is just pretty trash, this movie. It's like, the fact that... Here, here's the thing. I have a theory. Is that um, Emma Stone won the Oscar for this movie, not because it was the best um, performance of the year, but because they knew it, was, it wasn't going to win Best Picture and they had to give it something. Because, like, <laughs> she, no, yeah. it, she... She did a fine job. But it wasn't, you know, Oscar-worthy, and, I mean, I don't think really anyone could do anything Oscar-worthy with this writing and this character to begin with. It's not her fault. She tried her best. And I was, like, very disappointed that she won the Oscar because I think that she has a lot of potential for longevity in Hollywood, and if this is her peaking too early and her career doesn't last, I blame this movie. Well, I feel like a lot of the times Oscars, too, are, like... if if they're awarded to people who haven't gotten them before, like, an investment in them. So, yeah, you know. But she was, like, and, 28. But she still could have, I feel like she could have won for something better than this, for sure. Yeah, and hopefully she, and she does in the future. Best thing about this movie is that I think that Emma Stone has the potential to be a legitimately Oscar-worthy actor in, like, 10 years, maybe. I mean, when you watch, like, Birdman, like, you can you can tell how much she's trying like it's not coming naturally to her like it she's coming off as a very young actor but it's a young actor who's putting their all into it and that is why she 
like she deserved that nomination because of the commitment level. And if she has that level of commitment over the years, she could progress into being like a legitimately gifted actress. But now she's peaking too early and I'm kind of worried for her because I think that she kind of deserved a better Oscar movie than this. Yeah, she did. Especially since she's like, she's like, she she was a kid. We were all kids (laughs) in 2016. And... I just, like, I just was, I was just disappointed by it. And, like, this movie is one of the many reasons why I don't watch award shows, because Gosling, not good in this movie. Not good. He He was nominated, though, because it was a big, successful movie, and they had to give it something. Yeah, and he, like, phoned it in big time. He wasn't good. (laughs) Like, I mean, thing is that, like, I'm, like, one of the only people in the world who's not a particularly big Ryan Gosling fan, but I don't think he's a bad actor either. I just think he's kind of okay. Yeah. He was, like, not good at all in this. I mean, again, you can only do so much with the writing and the character given to you. It's not a good character. It's not good writing. Probably no one could do it justice. But, like, the idea that he was good at all, much less getting nominated for it, it's why I don't think awards mean anything, because he was only nominated because it was a big, high-grossing blockbuster. Yeah. And And because it was about Hollywood, basically. Well, yes. Because everyone's like, oh, I can see myself in them. Yeah, everyone, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was is the one of the best ways to get into the Oscars and make a movie about Hollywood and make yeah. it a musical. I feel like <laughs> Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like the thing of, you know, those old like the pulpy books that you would read as a kid. Like there's a podcast dedicated just to like the YA horror ones, but then, you know, like all of the really basic like Sweet Valley High and like Nancy Drew even, like all the ghost written ones where the characters were just kind of like nothing characters that you could like very easily project yourself onto yeah. and relate to i feel like that's what these characters in this movie are and i feel like even like i feel like even then it's still hard to... <laughs> yeah like there okay i i related to because i've just went through like a really grueling horrible fucking awful no good terrible job search um <laughs> i could definitely relate to like the feeling of constantly being rejected and like walking into a room and being like oh okay so this isn't going to work but i'm still gonna try my best not that i've ever had anyone be as rude to me as the casting directors were in this movie and how i'm sure they are in real life like i've always had interviewers be really like nice and you know receptive to me but still like you have that moment where you think oh okay so this isn't like there's something not connecting here you know oh it's I feel like I know that tangents are a thing that you guys don't like on this show. <laughs> a good joke. But I, I uh, thank you. Um, uh, wait, what joke? No, I mean it. Um, I, it feels like one of these things that we could now get off into terrible interview stories, which I just have one. I've only told this to a couple people. The best bad interview, job interview story I think I have was from earlier this year, where I basically was told in the interview both that I would be sexually harassed and that I wouldn't. I'm sorry, oh, what? Wow. <laughs> oh, I, I went to interview... What a puzzle. Yes, I went to interview at this place. It was, like, in the middle of nowhere. Um, oh. It, it was, like, this big warehouse. It was it was a very good-looking building. Like, it was, like, like one of those up-and-coming young people companies. Uh. And, and um, like, a big warehouse. And I was, like, interviewing to be, like, a receptionist or something. And they said, uh, because we have a mostly male staff and there are a lot of warehouse, you know, tough warehouse guys, how thick is your skin? Oh. And, and I said, um, 
it's, I think it's thick enough, but I don't expect anyone to say anything inappropriate to me on this job, eh? And they're like, oh no, they're great guys, and if they say anything to you, report it to us right away, but how thick is your skin? Oh it's like, God. wow, way to yeah. cover up you just telling me to expect to get sexually harassed, and then backpedaling when I call you the hell out wow. on it. I've had a similar experience as well, and you're always just kind of like, um... It's like, if you're gonna <laughs> flat, if you're gonna imply that heavily that I should expect to be disrespected, just just stick to your narrative. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, if you're gonna go there, go there all the way. Hire like, don't a male make receptionist. This <laughs> yeah, um, um, it's, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, that finally, that, that just came to mind, and I just thought that would be our first tangent of the night <laughs> of great bad interview stories, and of course they never called me back, because the company probably doesn't exist anymore. I don't even know what they did. It was one of those things where, like, they got, like, Guardians of the Galaxy posters on the wall oh, and everything purple and black. Like, young people, yo, we're hip. We're Studio 60X or whatever. Yeah. But, like, I don't even, I didn't actually know what they did. But, it's yes. It's always those places that are, like, we're so cool, we're so hip, we're startups, but then they're the ones that, like, never want to pay you anything. Yep. And they don't have, like, a proper HR department. Yeah. They don't have any the, proper resources. Their lobby is, like, got the music, like, <laughs> it's got like the, the hip hop music. I interviewed twice at this place that had like blaring like techno music in the lobby while everyone's in their nice little suits. And it's that's like so bizarre. Oh, I, that's so why hard. I refuse to try to get an office job anymore because I, they, and anyone that hires people our age is that. <laughs> And they also don't pay you. <laughs> I didn't, hey, I mean, wasn't there one episode where you mentioned that quote-unquote job I had, like, trying to sell HelloFresh to people on the street? Yeah. I forget <laughs> yeah. what episode, you didn't say my name, but it was me. <laughs> I never saw any money for that. They put me on the streets of New York every day. I was dying of an illness, and I never saw a dime. What oh, that was hell? a mess. Ugh. That's why I don't trust, like, any of those startups. But I digress. That sounds like a civil lawsuit, if you ask me. Yeah. I, yeah, it was it was two years ago, though. More than that, so I can't do anything. Mm. But uh, anyway, all right, so should we start with the plot? Well, I don't think we really need to do an entire plot breakdown. Basically, just no. boy meets girl. Okay. They're white and straight. The only thing I really appreciate about this movie, honestly, is the fact that these two do not end up together at the end. Yeah. yeah. I actually really uh, like uh, the whole ending sequence where she goes through the could events in her mind and it's, look, it's like a musical kind of journey. And then I, that's the only thing I really honestly thought was like actually good about this movie was the ending. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, can I talk about the first couple scenes because they really fascinate me? Sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So for those who you haven't seen it, which is why you're here listening right now. How you doing, Mike? Um... <laughs> The movie begins with something we're going to experience a lot of throughout the entire film, noise pollution. Um, it starts out with um, people in traffic with the horns and stuff, and why are you honking your horn if you know you're in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic? What's it going to do? L.A. drivers, right? Um, and typical of actors, these extras begin telling us about their acting careers through song, even though no one asked, and they all start out literally alone. Which is really all actors do. Even when they're by themselves in traffic, they'll start talking about their acting career. <laughs> Apparently in this universe, also, people who are on the lam from the law, hiding in trucks, are great musicians. Because <laughs> they just open the truck, and the musicians aren't just there, but they're ready. 
Uh, I mean, I let's let's not question, you know, movie. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie musical it's a, logic. It's a, it's a musical, you know. The logic kind of goes out the window. Yeah, and stuff like it, that. To me, it's not just that they're in the in the truck, but they're in the truck at position. That's what gets me. It's just not that they're in the tr- they're in the trunk, not truck like not trunk, but like the back of a truck with instruments waiting for their cue. It that that is pretty classic movie musical logic. Um, at the end of the um, the song, I mean, it's it's basically a bunch of the extras are talking about their careers as actors and how it's pointless, but they love it. It's probably a better attitude to have about it than most actual L.A. actors have. Um, so Emma Stone, Mia, her character Mia, is rehearsing her audition monologue in her car, and it's the first thing we hear of her. And you can tell that it's her character acting within acting, because her reading of the monologue isn't that great. We're supposed to believe that she's like this great actress who just hasn't gotten her big break yet, but the reading is so acty. Like, mm-hmm. I am saying lines right now. And if this is the introduction to the character, like, I'm, I'm not impressed. Like, and I think Emma Stone is a good actress, but she's apparently not a good fake actress. Yeah. You know what I think, um, I, something that did that kind of thing, but way better, was Glow. And I think oh, the first yeah. episode um, with Alison Brie, and she does, like, her whole monologue, and then they're like, oh, you read the man's part? She does a really excellent job. Of, like, switching, with that, switching part. that off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really an acquired skill because like when you have to fake act, sometimes it's comedic, sometimes it's genuine, but it doesn't work here because her character is supposed to be a good actress, and we're supposed to be confused as to why she hasn't made it yet. And it's not only that, but it's the first time we hear her character speak at all. And I think the joke is supposed to be that she's saying a monologue, then she turns to her script and is like, "Oh, she was just doing a monologue. She's an actress. It's funny." But it's not good so the joke is kind of lost if that was even what it was meant to be so it's not it's already not starting off on a good foot acting wise so then um sebastian ryan gosling's character cuts her off in traffic and she gets mad and flips him off and immediately you know they're gonna fall in love soon because you know that happens (laughs) because you know you hate each other you're gonna be in love soon what are the odds you'll see them again oh i'm sure they'll look so hot because it's ryan gosling and his eyes of death (laughs) <laughs> um, so, okay, so, so, alright, Mia's a barista on the Hollywood lot, some famous starlet comes in, and she and her manager are starstruck, despite working in the one area of the earth that always has Hollywood stars walking around. You'd think you'd be a little inured to it. And then they try to comp her coffee because who needs free stuff more than Hollywood stars, right? Mm-hmm. Which I know happens in real life too, but that doesn't make it any less dumb when it happens in fiction. I oh, charge him oh. extra. Like Yeah, charge him extra. It's double for you. <laughs> yeah, put put the difference in the tip jar. Yeah. Um, okay, so Mia's late to her audition because she's an actress, but you'd think, and, and her phone goes off, like, her ringer, her, like, her notification, you have your audition now. It's like, wow, your audition meant so much to you, you almost forgot that you were having it. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, so the idea in this scene is that she's supposed to be leaving because her shift is over and she immediately has an audition. Her boss tries to give her trouble for leaving when her shift is over. So we have a manager that flings free coffee at every famous person she sees, then tells her employee that she better be there early the next day because she has to make up for leaving on time? Okay, great business strategies. And that's our first scene. Did you guys get anything from this scene? No. 
Okay, because this scene fascinated me <laughs> I, so much. I barely remember this scene, to be honest with you. I do remember that she had the jacket on over her shirt, and when she comes out, everybody looks the same as her, and it's like, that's been done in, like, everything else about Hollywood, where people are like, you go and sit in a room, and you everybody else looks like you, and they're just slightly prettier versions of you, and it's like, wah, wow, yeah. your life's well, hard. The thing is that when it comes to, like, as far as I know about when you audition for a part in the real world, if everyone there has the same hair color and is wearing the same shirt, it probably means you were asked to wear it to the audition. So, of course she's not going to get called back. She's wearing a winter coat mm -hmm. when everyone else is wearing a white spring blouse. And also, I'm kind of fascinated. I'm fascinated by the opening scene. I'm also fascinated by the monologue that she reads for the audition because apparently the movie is about a woman and she's on the phone with her true love and he tells her in the middle of a gossip sesh that he's running off with someone and she kind of breaks down. I'd, I'd rather watch that saccharine heart-wrenching crap. Much more than this saccharine heart-wrenching crap. I don't know, I, I found that fake movie to be kind of fascinating in its own little world. Yeah, I just didn't really... All of the audition scenes were just very, like, lackluster to me, and... Yeah, which I guess it's supposed to be, because the idea is that you have to audition, but, but I just... It's like, yeah, so... Um, um I kind of want to skip ahead to, like, her friends in... I'm assuming that she lives in, you know, in this apartment with, like a bunch of friends or people that she met off of Craigslist or whatever, and they want her to come out to this party, and they do, like, a cute little musical, and I actually didn't mind that. I thought that her friends actually seemed cool. Like, they seemed like they brought more life to that scene than most everyone else uh, Yeah, but did. I gotta say, is that one of her roommates is English for no reason. Like, are they trying to be girls? Because this is not girls. <laughs> this, this is not girls. And... I mean, and I gotta say, the interior of her apartment, it's its so beautiful, and the colors are beautiful, and it just, it makes me mad how visually pleasing this movie is, with no depth, no story, no clever writing. This is just a, this is a big bimbo of a movie. It's all looks, I, I feel no like, brains. I feel like it happens so much, too. Like, I see movies that look fucking gorgeous, and, like, have amazing cinematography, and then the story and the characters are just Twilight like, also. It's just like, ugh. It's like, what a waste. Like, the Twilight movies were pretty well, like, they looked pretty, but they were just terrible story-wise. Yeah. And also, why does she get out of the shower, and she's about to start a number, and there's no number? <laughs> yeah. Like, her, her roommate's English for no reason. The lights get dramatic and the music about to start for no reason. Like, can we just call this movie La La Land colon for no reason? <laughs> like, it just, it feels like there is nothing going on in this scene until there is. I mean, th this kind of should go without saying, but I'm going to say it, is that the apartment is like very, it's like something out of Friends. Mm -hmm. It's like the classic sitcom logic. Like, these are four unemployed actresses and they have the most lavish apartment like no, I yeah. again, I how are their finances working? And then I, she quits her day job to yeah, do like, her one woman show. Like who? How does yeah, she? Like Ryan, what? Yeah, Ryan Gosling isn't making that much money in the band to support the both of them. I don't think. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's like in Waiting for Guffman, where Parker Posey's character quits her day job because she gets cast in a community theater show. <laughs> it's like like you think you have a career. I I have a theory. Here's my head of La La Land, that the apartment is haunted. Because I counted, I, I counted, again, I, I cared about the details for like the first 20 minutes of this movie. I counted like six or seven rooms, 
two bathrooms, walk-in closet, Kubrickian hallway. <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, and, and her, her friends are, you know, I mean, granted, like, you're not supposed to take it seriously, but they have this idea that Mia should come out with them to a club because they might meet a casting director who must have them. And I gotta say, if a casting director in a bar says, I must have you, he ain't talking about a film project, honey. No. Um, no. One part in the number, they hold up um, Mia's headshot to her face like it's a chorus line, and she has bangs in the headshot. That is a rookie acting mistake. Yes. You're not supposed to look different from your headshot. No wonder she hasn't gotten cast in anything. And I, <laughs> I, I know that I'm paying so much attention to the minute details of this, but I am here to nitpick and I am here to do it right. <laughs> so at least until I give up. Yeah, it really because we're still in the first half hour. Yeah, it really is. Like if you get a hair color to change your hair, you have to change your headshots. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would think that like something that has been nominated for not just one, but several Oscars, that sh they should get the small things, right? Yeah. Yes. And especially when it's visuals are all it has going for it. And especially, especially when it's a purportedly about Hollywood and it's having all these things happen in it that you're not supposed to do in Hollywood. It's just, I, I'm so confused by so much <laughs> yeah. of the scene. <laughs> And then later on, like, I don't know, just, there's so much of it that's just, it doesn't, it doesn't commit, like, at, at all to anything. Like, the yellow dress number is so bad, and it, it's just, like, such a nothing number, you know? I think one yeah. of the, like, best parts of the movie for me is when they're at the, the party, like, the pool party, and he's playing in the 80s band, yeah. and she has him play the song that, like, literally is just him hitting a couple of keys on the keyboard, <laughs> And I think that was, like, the most fun, because that was a very he Emma deserved Stoney, it. and also he deserved it, because he's honestly a huge jerk. Yeah. Um, Alright, now, here, here, here is my next phase of this, of this adventure, is that, now, I, like, I don't really, like, care about Ryan Gosling as an actor, but, you know, I'm sure he's a nice person, I can take or leave him, but I, I think there needs to be a, a particular, like, corner of this podcast episode that pertains to how much I despise the character of Sebastian. <laughs> like, all right, well, first of all, um, okay, so so Mia's with her friends at the club, and she um, abandons them, and they don't notice. Um, she wanders into, like, the, the, the restaurant and bar that Sebastian's playing piano at, and J.K. Simmons makes an appearance as the manager of, of the club he's playing at, and he callously fires him, and I was hoping that he would just throw a chair at his head <laughs> and reveal that La La Land yes. takes place in the same universe yes. as Whiplash. <laughs> um, okay, but here is how I know not to root for Sebastian. Bitch insists on not selling out and refuses to play the set list that he agreed upon because he's an artiste. Uh -huh. And then after he plays, Mia goes up to him to compliment his set, and bitch pushes past her when she's the only one trying to allow him any artistic recognition yeah, and because of this yeah what was that like why i don't know and and because of this callous attitude towards her immediately you know they're gonna fall in love soon mm -hmm. uh, also I, okay and then i i'm i'm trying not to go in sequential order because you know we have a lot of different stuff to talk about but the last scene you see with mia's boss at the at the coffee shop what is the deal like, she's such a cliche of a bad boss, she flat-out changes Mia's schedule on a whim at the last minute, 
When Mia tries to protest, she goes, she gives her the classic, do I look like I care? Then tells her, we're going to have to have a little talk tomorrow, which is the most terrifying thing that a boss can ever say to you. And then to top it all off, she says, fix your apron. There's nothing wrong with her apron. <laughs> I paused. Her apron's fine. So many cliches in this best picture contender. Yeah. Like, and it, and, and it doesn't subvert uh, any cliches either. Ex- except no, for, no, except it's for just the, flat out cliches. Except for the ending where they don't end up together, it doesn't subvert anything. And that's what makes it boring to me. Because it's one thing yeah. to, like, introduce, like, typical cliches of, like, old movie musicals and that sort of thing. But, like, this movie, like, it doesn't do anything interesting with it. I think this may be the first time I've ever seen you guys have so little nice things to say about the movie you're, you've watched. And... I don't know if that's because I'm a bad influence or if because you just really didn't like this movie, but I gotta say, it's not a bad change of pace. I think that I liked this movie better than Back to the Future 2. Yeah. I didn't give a shit about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> at all. Yeah, at least this but, movie is pretty. <laughs> yeah. The lighting was really nice, but okay, here is my one gripe. You mentioned the cinematography, right? Here's my gripe. There were so many times when there was, like, a horizontal line, like a horizon, you know, like, just that's how the world works, that was slightly askew. And it bothered me so much. I did not notice that. (laughs) it, It just slightly off. And I'm like, I don't know if it's trying to be on purpose because it's supposed to be saying something, but I feel like it's not on purpose. And it just bothered me so much. It's like... You not being able to tell is not a good sign either. Exactly. Like, it's just like, whenever I look back at my own pictures on my phone and I realize, like, my hand was slanted and the horizon is off and I'm just like, wow, how stupid. But, like, no one else is ever going to see this. Who cares? But they put it in a movie multiple times. I didn't like it. (laughs) Here's the funny thing, though, is that although I think Emma Stone deserved a better movie than this, she basically is this character in real life. Like, she moved to LA as a preteen because she loved movies so much trying to make it in Hollywood and it's like that's basically this character who like oh I grew up on the golden age of Hollywood movies and my aunt was the only one who got me and again such a cliche and it just it feels like like one of those actors who becomes an actor for the same reason everyone else does Um, and so so Sebastian suggests to Mia that she writes something for herself to star in, a conclusion that no actor has ever come to themselves. Especially in the age of YouTube and, like, internet fame and all that stuff, no one's ever considered mm-hmm. that before. No, and, you know, it's the only... Honestly, the only thing the world needs more of than actors is writers, really. <laughs> or combos. <laughs> this also, this like, movie... the unrealistic thing of being discovered because of your one-woman show is also, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, the... The, the attitude should be, with anything in the arts, is do something you're fulfilled doing and then let the success come yes. later. Also, don't have a day job you hate because then you're going to become desperate to have your career in the arts go faster and it's not going to be a passion thing anymore. It's going to be an obligation and you're going to ruin your own craft. Every, like, pe- actors and writers should watch this movie for what not to do. <laughs> um, she, despite it being a one-woman show... You see her writing something for a character to say. I guess it's supposed to be after stage direction, and it has lines like, Holy hell! It's like, oh man, call the Pulitzer people right now. Um, And so, alright, so then this douche Sebastian honks the horn for her to come out, 
and the roommate who looks like Cecily Strong goes, is that going to happen every time? And Mia takes a pause because this scene was put in specifically for the trailer and goes, I think so. And then the other roommates go, let's kill him. Movie over. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, this is kind of the part where I sort of started skipping around from scene to scene because I stopped caring. But um, did anything else and any any other scenes within this portion, like the second, third act, kind of like strike you in any way? I didn't even bother measuring it in terms of like acts and stuff. I was like, I just... I was pretty checked out watching this, to be honest. Like, I just wasn't that into it. And, like, of course I wrote down notes and stuff, but, like, in terms of, like, breaking things down, like, in order, I didn't really... This this movie would be great for toddlers, actually, because it has a lot of bright colors and music and nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there must... It's like the Wiggles. It's the Wiggles. This movie is the Wiggles. They they use the same colors as the Wiggles, too, as their... (laughs) Yes, yeah, you you remember the Wiggles? It's the Wiggles. (laughs) Um, so, um, I guess, you know, I guess we sort of have to mention the idea of this, um, asshole Sebastian being angry that he's playing to sold-out crowds. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, oh my god, the whole thing with this guy, like, the th- he even get, gets into that, though, later, too. He's like, I'm doing, I, he's like, I'm doing, like, I'm, pl- I'm playing these shows, and, like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, this is what people are supposed to want, and blah, 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 and... Emma Stone He's trying to save, and Emma Stone's like, "Well, it's yeah. not what you want to do," and it's like, it, but it's a good day job. It is a good day, a good day yeah. job, and like, and th- that- he's got to save jazz from the black man. <laughs> uh, John John Legend oh. was right. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's like one of the only like fun songs in the entire movie. Is that the really? I I I found that song that the John Legend's number. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually found it one of the more forgettable. Well, it's, it's not for, the worst it's one. For, it's forgettable, but it's more fun than the other songs in the movie. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, I guess there's it's kind of not the same thing. But it's not the worst song. The worst song is the one that won the Oscar. It's um, <laughs> City of Stars. Again, it wins because its very title is about L.A. It's so boring. I mean, and also, I was kind of confused because there are two versions of it. There's the short one that sounds like... Um, Ryan Gosling is drowning, and then there's the reprise that's longer than the first one, which you don't see often with a reprise, and it's them kind of making it up together, singing a song that it's like a diegetic number that he wrote, even though the first time it was, like, supposed to be a musical number in-universe, but then it turns out, oh, it's actually a song he himself wrote, but she's making up lyrics too because it's also non-diegetic at the same time, and it's about how happy they are despite having horrible character conflicts, and I'm confused, and let's give it an Oscar. It, oh. <laughs> like, See, yeah, go on. The melody of City of Stars I liked. That was, like, the only really? I didn't musical even like the melody. thing that I liked. I, I thought it was nice. The The piano playing in the movie, all of it was pretty... It's placid. Like, you know. Like, it's not, like, it's a kind of melody that you can listen to it and just be kind of like, like, you know, just like, hmm, 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 hmm. Like, it's just a song that's like, like, it's it's basically harmless. Like, it's something you can kind of bob your head to when you're, like, waiting for a train. But it has no substance, and that's why I do not think it deserved the Oscar. And I do not like it. What, what, and also, I do not like the... K- what other songs were even nominated that year? The other, um, Moana. Uh. uh the, the... 
Which, granted, I don't even think that the best song for Moana was the one that was nominated. But again, it beat Moana. It freaking beat Moana. And it wasn't even the best song in this movie, much less any other. See, again, I don't watch award shows anymore. This movie was the last straw. It was a great, it was a great moment, though, when it was actually Moonlight, I have to say. Cause... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, oh, was like, a, I, that was I, a great I, moment. It was like, sight. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, the I don't have cable, one. so I, yeah, so I, I had to hear about it after it happened, but I imagine, like, how angry I would have been that it won, and then how relieved I would yeah, have been the, that it didn't. Yeah, that was pretty much it, because I, I basically just tuned in for that part, just because I, like, was ready to be mad. <laughs> I was like, La La Land's gonna fucking win, and I'm gonna be fucking furious, and I gotta watch this happen in real time, and then it did, and I was like, son of a bitch, these fuckers, and it was like, oh, oh, that's not what's happening. Oh, sweet! Yeah! <laughs> it's, it was a classic, like, underdog moment. And it was, like, soon enough after 2016 that everyone was hoping that Bernie Sanders would win Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Ouch. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes people hurt themselves with how much <laughs> they wish for things. That'd be a great fairy tale tagline. Um... Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I mean, oh, all the freaking memes that came out of the La La Land losing Best Picture, yeah. which granted I was thrilled, but also, too many memes is, um, too many memes in the kitchen. Yeah, most memes, memes these days are too many memes. I feel like everyone just desperately grabs onto anything that's, like, a little bit funny. Yeah, and then and they just, just run it into, into the, the ground. ground. Like that, yeah, that 30 like, to, left sharp. Yeah, and then you for 30 to 50 feral hogs, which I hated Oh my god, it was literally not funny at all. It like, wasn't. even at the very beginning, it was I didn't even funny. know, I still don't know what that's about. Is is could just, would anyone care to tell me? <laughs> Somebody said that they, um, well, if you take my guns away, how am I supposed to defend my property from the 30 to 55 feral hogs that come onto it and try to attack my children when they go outside to play or something the like that? The statement itself is hilariously ridiculous, but the the joke about it just isn't funny. And and here's yeah. the thing. Like, six months from now, this moment will be dated. Yes. Yeah. Because it's a meme. Like, do you even remember Left Shark? Does anyone remember Left Shark? Yeah. Okay. At least you remember it. But the thing is that... Thing is that you only remember it once it's brought up again. Yeah, we've got, we like, got an yes. oversaturation of the meme market is really what's happening. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I actually kind of have a John Legend story because um, it made me think of this. And it was that, but it happened too soon because in 2016, in October 2016, I was doing a haunted house in New York. And, you know, it's New York. Famous people, like, you know, they might come in. You never know. And it was dark because it's a haunted house and you can't see very well. And this little short guy comes in. And I'm thinking, hey, that little short guy kind of looks like John Legend. Oh my oh. god, does, does he live in New York? Is that John Legend? No, it's just a short guy who looks like him. And then it turns out it was John Legend. And um, apparently Chrissy Teen was with him, but I, like, don't recognize her enough to have known. And I'm like, oh man, if only I'd known that was really John Legend, I could have said, La La Land was very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but that it, but it was October, so I don't even know if it was out yet. It's only just been a little bit later. But then it wouldn't have been October, and I wouldn't have been there. But still, the point is that I've been in the presence of John Legend, and if I'm ever in the presence of John Legend again, I can tell him that La La Land was sorely disappointing, and how dare he! <laughs> I'm pretty sure he probably just collected his check for it and forgot about yeah, it, just I'm like sure. everyone else did. I'm sure. I I'd rather listen to him sing a love song to Nutmeg. <laughs> <laughs> That was his greatest musical performance. Oh. I don't care about his 
about his career in R and B. I'm, I'm no, it's it's the nutmeg. The Stephen Colbert Christmas <laughs> special was the peak yeah, of his career. <laughs> it was. It was before he knew how to act, but that actually made it might have added to yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, where they had to put him in sunglasses because his eyes moved too much. Oh no! <laughs> oh, you've never you've never seen it. Like no. you can you can tell that they put him in. He's indoors, but he's wearing sunglasses. You can tell it's because he doesn't know how to act and he oh. doesn't know what to do with his eyes. Which oh. is like, when that was in 2008, and then when you see La La Land, it's like, okay, you know, he's actually kind of learned to act a little in the, bit. In the ten Just years wish it was a better movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, alright, so me and Sebastian, they have a big fight because they're completely incompatible. Can we just say that that's why they yeah. break up? Because it, it is yeah. true. They have a big fight, and because they're in love, they break up after one fight. And because uh, Mia tries to give him a logo... For his, Which he uh, later steals. This is something yeah. I want to bring up too. I I almost yeah. wish this movie had ended with like her suing him. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I thought the same thing. And he's like, "How dare you try to give me ideas that are better than what I can think of, woman?" And so it's like he's like, "How dare you care about my career? I'm a man." And she's like, "How dare you fight with me? We're in love. I'm gonna break up with you." Yeah. And then he goes, "Nah." And they both go, "Nah." And then they break up. <laughs> And then whatever monstrosity he was making in the oven burns. And yeah. she just leaves when the fire alarm is going off, which my dog found very distressing, and it went on for far too long. Mia has her one-woman show that even her friends don't go to, which, that was pretty base. Yeah, that was um, And no one's uh, there. She's like Mary Jane. Like, uh, she played Gwen Stacy, but she's like Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam oh, yeah. Mary Jane. And... Yeah, and it's apparently her her magnum opus of this one woman show is one night only, because she can't wait around for a better crowd. She gives up after one night. Well, probably because so, she couldn't afford to do rent the theater for more than one night would be my yeah, guess. Yeah, she mentioned that she she couldn't pay the theater back. She also lives in a mansion and drives a Prius. <laughs> might I remind you? <laughs> um, okay, so now all right now let now, now let's get to the big the big turning point. Is it too early to get to the turning point, or may I? May I? Go ahead. Okay, because I got a lot of thoughts on this turning point. Um, okay. So, Sebastian drives the, like, what, ten hours all the way out to Nevada to tell her that she has an audition for this famous director's next big movie. Um, which doesn't have a script, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, which was, and also, he doesn't say what it's called, like, he doesn't know anything about it, he just says, big movie. (laughs) And yeah, I, it, I gotta say, it feels like when you, yeah, yeah. when you have like a placeholder in the script when you don't know what to name something yet, and they just never came up with something to put there. Yeah, it, it's like on Strangers with Candy how they used to actually say the typos in the script because it just added to the absurdity. It doesn't work so much with this though, and also like this big director, like it's a woman, right? Yes. Yeah, it's like you think that someone who has a tenuous career as a female director in Hollywood would have a little bit more responsibility. It, it, it's like, like this is like not common for women to be directors. It's like one of the best lines of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is, I want to speak to the director. I am the director. Oh, right, it's theater. Women can direct. Speaking um, of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they did La La Land better than Flu, La La Land. Flu Waxatine. Flu I, yeah. Yes, that was uh, where they do the uh, pastiche of, of La La Land that is now nominated for an Emmy which I don't care if it wins or not, because I don't watch award shows, as we learned from La La Land. So it's really like an Ouroboros at this point. Um, so yes, um, if anyone has any chance, either go on YouTube or actually watch the show and, and watch the 
fourth season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where they do a pastiche of La La Land. So, okay, so this so this female director, who you'd think a female director knowing how little women are trusted to direct in Hollywood would be more responsible with this big movie. Um, apparently it was so important that this big director needed Mia to get the message secondhand and couldn't be bothered to contact her herself. Like, she doesn't know anyone who might know her. She doesn't have any contact information. She couldn't get it from, oh, I don't know, Sebastian? Yeah. And, um, because, okay, and... I I I I think that Sebastian withheld information from this director because he wanted to. It's tell a power her play. And yeah, because yeah, even when he does her this enormous favor, he is still let's be honest a piece of shit to her. He holds the horn down on his car indefinitely outside her building until she comes out. He's disturbing the whole neighborhood. He publicly screams at her when she refuses the unsolicited favor. He like he puts a finger in her face. He calls her a baby. He tells her she mm-hmm. can't refuse. You better be there when I get there tomorrow. Like he yells over his shoulder. And the next day, like he goes to pick her up and he kind of like gives her some lip because she's like one minute late from getting coffee for both of them. Like these are the signs of a burgeoning abusive relationship. And this was the big romantic hit of 2016, everybody. He also literally pulls up at 8.03, not 8 a.m. So, like, he starts to leave as if, like, oh, she must have already gone inside if she was waiting for me at all. And then, and like, then, like yeah. what? You got here late and you're not gonna, like, stay there for a second? And she comes in and, like, he's not, he doesn't apologize for almost going off without her. And then her family inside her house goes, let's kill him, movie over. <laughs> Okay, all right. It turned into a very different movie. This I do movie... also like that they never actually mention what she's going to be doing in the um, her big break or whatever, and they never show us like anything that she did in it. Like all you see is that people are like so enamored with her. Oh my gosh, she's she's a star now. She's on a, a poster that he has to pass on his way to work or whatever. Like, but what does she do though yeah i, I mean i mean i, I guess it uh, you could say ironically that despite how unrealistic this movie is it is basically emma stone's real life that <laughs> she kind of like she was on a reality singing show as a kid nothing came of that she had a supporting role in like uh like super bad and then she became a big star pretty much overnight so it's like it doesn't really make sense that she should get famous off this movie but it's, it's it's as realistic as what it's based on, I guess, which is nothing. But, I mean, if if you could say there are any parallels to the actress's life, she'd be the best choice. Um, so she goes into the audition, and she wears a sweater and jeans because she's a true professional. So um, it turns out that uh, Mia's aunt, who was the one who got her into acting, also coincidentally lived in Paris for a while. And where does this movie take place? Eh? The audition scene is one that I actually do like. This is, like I said, there's one there's one song that I actually do kind of like in this movie, and it's this one. Even though I know it's nothing new. Like, the, the song exists in many other, like, incarnations elsewhere. But I think that Emma Stone gives a very heartfelt performance, and as much as I hate all these new movie musicals casting non-singers just because they're famous... At least Emma Stone reminds us here that in a musical, acting should always come first because you kind of forget for a minute that she has a mediocre voice because you see her selling this song so much. And I wouldn't call this song great, but it's not lame. The other songs I find to be lame 
And I actually think that if any song in this movie did deserve to be nominated for Best Song, this one did, which it was, but it lost to City of Stars. So it's like, uh, couldn't even get that right. Um, the message of the song is, is a, it's a cliche, you know, it's a celebration of artists, and it is as cliche as cliche can get. You kind of see it coming, but as much of a cliche as it is, it's kind of like one that it's okay to be reminded of sometimes, that when you were a struggling artist that you don't have to feel like a complete idiot for being one. So I, I actually do like this scene. Like, I think it's completely unrealistic that it leads to her becoming a big star, but as a standalone number, I don't really think it's bad. So I do have to say, it's it's this scene is not bad, I don't think. Yeah, it's not. I, it does. Yeah, I agree. So after the audition, uh, me and Sebastian have the relationship talk, and he demands... He demands that she put everything she has into her career because he has to control her some way, I guess. And and then she says to him, you know, I'll always love you. And then I say, why? <laughs> yeah, I really don't. I just, I don't, I don't buy the romance in this movie at all. I just, yeah, yeah. I just, and, just and because then, it's all of their romances shown in a montage yeah, that's and like, like dance very easily filtered out. And yeah, like when the characters are actually interacting with each other, it doesn't, it doesn't land. It just doesn't land for like, me. It 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 comes off like a summertime fling. Yeah, and not like a like a long term relationship. Like why does she like always love you? Did she even love him to begin with? Like it, it didn't yeah, really did feel we like even it was have serious. That moment? I mean, I don't think they we did. they lived together and they had a big relationship fight, but that big relationship fight was also enough to end it. So should they have been living together? No, but something. Um, you were saying before about how you don't care what happens to the characters, and you like you know they kind of say like that is the biggest flaw a piece of fiction can have is that you have you don't care about the characters like good or bad like. They could have great or terrible things happen to them. You don't care either one. I I could not like you. You agree that that's how you felt, yeah. right? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I could not care less what happens to Sebastian. Could not care less what happens to the supporting characters. I do kind of care what happens to Mia, but it's not just so much because I root for her. Other than that, I feel sorry for her. The world just dumps on this woman for no discernible reason from start to the very end. And you want her to have a happy ending, not because you care about her, but just because she never deserved any of the bad luck she encountered. It's like, it's just like, you want her to have a happy ending just for belief in a just universe. Yeah. Not because you like her. Yeah. Uh, I feel that, yeah. I think that that's basically the only reason that I was like, oh, at the end, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then also, like, the guy that she actually married is really not attractive well then i guess she has a bad life um you know just um another major criticism that a lot of people have this movie and um i i agree with it of of course i agree with a lot of criticisms of this movie is that there's no such thing as middle ground in pretty much any of it because this movie one of its its major flaw is that it can't decide if it wants to be a whimsical hollywood farce or a reflection of real life, because mm-hmm. it's too realistic in some areas, it's too unrealistic in others. So the lesson at the end is that instead of totally giving up, Mia becomes a big star, and those are the only two options presented. For once, I'd love to see a character learn that you can make it as an actor without making it big, but no, mm-hmm. doesn't happen. She makes it big. And 
Another point about there being no such thing as middle ground in this story and how they can't decide if what what reality they want to live in is that th there's no such thing as middle ground in the, in the movie in terms of relationships because in the ending montage Mia imagines an alternate life where she and Sebastian get married and have kids when they were barely together for a year and he treated her horribly almost the whole time. Like it's either a lifelong relationship or a nothing relationship in her mind. Mhm. Mm and it's just like these characters are so bizarre because it's like they're supposed to be presented as like a glimmer of reality in the Hollywood dream when they could not be more of a Hollywood dream for good and for bad. Like Sebastian is the kind of character that like in a 40s romantic comedy would like probably like yank her down and spank her and then they'd get married. But in it set in the modern day, you can tell that he is terrible. Yeah, I, I almost kind of wonder what this movie would have been like as a short film instead of the big epic thing it is. Like, you cut out the musical elements of it, like, what does this movie have? Not a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I think it still would have been, like, not really a lot. Yeah. Like, there's not really anything going on. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into, like, our wrap-up section, we generally will say, like, you know, how did you feel about this movie? All things said and done. But I think we're all in agreement. I mean, Bonner, you hate this movie. I, <laughs> I do. didn't really have any feelings one way or another. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. It was whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's pretty much my stance as well. I definitely don't. I don't hate it. It like it, it's fine for what it is. It didn't deserve all the accolades and awards it got, in my opinion. It does have stunning visuals. I will give it that. It's very nice it movie does. to look at. Um, I can appreciate the amount of effort that movie musicals must take because like choreography is a whole thing, and like you have to record songs and all that stuff. But it's just, yeah. it's just you know, it's. If you take those elements out of it, it's a, just a very run-of-the-mill story, and it's just not that interesting. And the only thing that sets it apart, really, honestly, as I said, is the ending, and that's it. Yeah. And anything the ending, I feel, has been done elsewhere in, in, in like, kind of in other ways, but, like, still similar enough. I think what's, yeah, I, yeah, I... I I think yes. You you, you go. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I mean, it's not bad to have an ending that's like similar to other things, but like, it's just uh, it's like more straight it, white people. Like whoop de doo. Oh yeah, but, <laughs> but also the the ending kind of felt anticlimactic to me because it has like this big musical sequence that is called epilogue, despite that the the, the on the soundtrack the the number is called epilogue. That's I don't think that's what an epilogue is. I mean, unless you count the very big chunk at the end where it shows five years later an epilogue, I guess. But they have this big number of them imagining if things had worked out between them. And then she's leaving the club. She looks at him and he looks at her. And then that's just kind of it. And yeah, then she sues him. It's very <laughs> anticlimactic that it's like, oh, the, yeah, okay, all right. It's it's over? Uh, okay. It's over. And, yeah. Yay. That's, it it, it should have just had Teen Girl Squad. It's over. <laughs> also, I think that uh, Sebastian should have died much earlier. Arrowed! Like... <laughs> Um, you know, like, wave of babies, like, um, the, the thing, the thing though is that I, I, I do, I do kind of hate this movie, but I also find it, like, it, like, fascinatingly bad, like, not so bad it's good, but, like, despite how much I hate it, it's still, A, pretty to look at, and B, you know, despite how much I dislike it, it, it is kind of fun to dissect what I dislike about it, you can't say that about every unenjoyable movie. That's true. Yeah, this this is like kind of a love it or hate it kind of movie, 
and the amount of people who I otherwise have similar taste to who loved it, I really was just so annoyed and, and confounded by that. Um, but now that like no one's really talking about it anymore, except like in like musical movie trivia nights at a bar and stuff, I I'm bothered by it less. Um, so I I can't I I don't I will never say that I like it, but I don't vehemently hate it as much as I used to, except for certain moments, mostly involving Sebastian. Uh, but yeah, so that's been the August episode of Why Haven't You Watched That? Sorry, we didn't do another comedy month. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that yeah. was like a year yeah. ago. <laughs> well, you could make it for the fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though that'll, that'll be I, work, Lita right? Has a, work. Lita has a job now. We don't have time. <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, I actually just received a bunch of emails from also a volunteer editing position that I'm taking on, and they all were flagged as junk and were in my junk folder for three days. Oh, that's great. So I was like, that's oh, wonderful. Oh, no. Yeah, Wait, so you're busy. Um, I had to get back you're to them. You're a busy lady now. I am. It's horrible, and I'm exhausted. All <laughs> that the is time. why you take one day off, record them all in one day, and then you release them. Oh my god, them that sounds like so in oh, increments. No, no, uh-huh. no it's. Uh... Oh no, we can't talk about our opinions for that long. No. Oh, the stress, the stress. It is stressful. <laughs> Or all day. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so, I, I got I, a lot of sleeping to do on the weekends. No, literally, we still wake up at like seven in the morning, and then like I don't even know what we do. But it's just like I never get any rest anymore, and I knew you, this would happen as soon as I was employed. But you monsters, yeah. on your day off, you monsters. I just I can't sleep in after after waking up all week at a certain time. It's just it's rough. It's rough life. <laughs> it, it's how you make it in this town. It's how you make it in this town of Seattle. Yeah, it's it's getting rougher in Seattle. It's mm. <laughs> like 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 people with their you know have their little blades underneath their Starbucks cups. Oh God, yeah. <sighs> oh, they do. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, just you know, sometimes you'll find like needles in the grass, and you know, that's fun. Like sewing very... needles or drug needles, yeah, both drug are fun. We'll tell her sewing needles and keep her innocent. <laughs> yeah, sewing needles with heroin laced with heroin, yeah. so you can like kind of have that domestic high. Yeah, it's like a, like it's it's the uh, it's the, the multitasking effects. Yeah, it, and also yeah. it's convenient for when you have an injury, you just sew it on up with your heroin <laughs> that... needle. Yeah. It's like so Sylvia Plathian. It's like <laughs> I use my my matronly duties to get myself to the next realm of existence. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so that's been uh, that's been the podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, YWT Podcast, and please rate and review us on iTunes and on Stitcher. Please, someone else leave a review besides mine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I've never used Stitcher. If I I guess I should just, like, go into Stitcher yeah. just to write yeah, a review. Yeah, that's what I did, man. I have man. no idea how to use it. <laughs> that's what I did, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been Jackie. And I've been Lita. And this is Why Haven't You Watched That? <laughs>